finish the book of Revelation today. It's been quite the journey. Started in 2022. I, I, I don't forget now how many studies. I told you last week, but I already forgot. But it's a lot. And we're coming to the end of Revelation. We're coming to the end of the Bible. And I believe that we're even coming and drawing closer to that day when we're going to go home to be with the Lord. And that excited me. I titled this message this morning, Surely I Am Coming Quickly. It's in Revelation chapter 22. You can turn in your Bibles. We're going to be looking at verses 6 to 21. I want to remind you of the timeline We started out the book of Revelation with that revelation of Jesus Christ and also the letters that were written to the seven churches. It's called the church age. We're still in that age now, the church age for 2,000 years. We talked about the rapture of the church in Revelation chapter 4 and Revelation chapter 5, that heavenly scene. And then we came to Revelation chapter 6, which was the beginning of sorrows. It's that first three and a half years of the tribulation period. Seven years of tribulation, the first half is the beginning of sorrows. And then we had have the second half, which is referred to as the great tribulation. That leads us to the second coming of Jesus Christ. At the end of that seven year tribulation period, which will usher in a millennial kingdom, a thousand year reign of Christ, where we also will reign with Christ for those thousand years. There will be the final judgment upon those that have rejected Christ at that great white throne judgment that will follow that thousand years. And then we're going to go into our eternal home, that new Jerusalem that we talked about last week, that new home that God has gone away to prepare for us. The Bible is so well put together. We start in the Bible with the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. It's what Genesis means, beginnings. And then we have the last book of the Bible, Revelation which means an uncovering by definition. And what's so incredible about the Word of God is that none of us are left wondering how it all began or how it's all going to end. He's given us all that we need to know, though we don't know everything, do we? There's so much that we don't know, yet He has given us everything that we need to know. We looked last week at the new Jerusalem, our new home in heaven. John saw in Revelation 21-2, he saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. This is the vision that John was seeing. He sees this vision of this holy city coming down out of heaven from God. Prepared as a bride is adorned for her husband. I mean, I have to think that John was just in complete awe as he saw this vision before his face. The first thing that John saw about this great city was that it showed forth the glory of God. Just how it was built. Just its its, its outer walls, just the whole city itself, it was showing forth the glory of God. We read in Revelation 21 verse 10 that John was carried away in the spirit to this great and high mountain where he was shown this great city, this holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God and her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. We're going to see that church someday. 
John got the heads up, but we're going to see, we're going to be in this holy city. In Revelation 21, 23, we read the city had no need of sun or of the moon to shine in it for the glory of God illuminated it. The lamb is the light. That's going to be awesome. Her light was like the most precious stone. Like jasper stone. Clear as crystal. Crystal. Can you imagine that? I think he's just seeing this translucent city. Something that defies our thinking now. And probably defied his thinking then. But that's what John was seeing. And then John saw that an angel took this golden reed and he began to measure this city. Measure its gates and measure the wall that was around it. And the city measured around 1,500 square miles. That's from Florida to Texas, by the way, if you were to take a footprint of that. But here's the, here's the, the interesting part of it. It's also 1,500 miles high. It's a cube. 1,500 miles tall. That's amazing. I started thinking, well, how tall is that? I started looking at what's close to us and... Even the space shuttle or the space station that's up in space is only 250 miles away from us. 1,500 miles off this city that God has prepared for us. The wall measuring 200 to 250 feet tall. Some people think that that's the thickness, not the height. Doesn't matter, we'll find out when we get there. The city had 12 gates, or has 12 gates. Each one was of one pearl. Three gates on each of the four sides. Also, John saw that there were 12 angels that were standing at each of the gate. And it was written on the gate, the 12 tribes of Israel. What's interesting is that God never forgets. God remembers his people. It's going to be on those gates for eternity. And not only that, but there's 12 layers of foundations to this holy city. And on each one of those foundations is the name of the 12 apostles. God doesn't forget. There's going to be no more seed. But more important than that, there's going to be no more tears and no more death. No more mourning, no more crying, and no more pain. No more thirst, no more thirsting, for every desire is going to be satisfied there in heaven. No more wickedness. There's not going to be anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie. There's no more temple, for God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. No more night. For the glory of God illuminates it. No more closed gates. No need for any locks or security systems on our home. You don't even have to worry if you lock yourself out of your house. You ever done that? Lock yourself out of your house? You won't have to worry about that anymore. And no more curse. No more struggles with temptation and sin. That should cause every one of us to say, Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. The coming of the Lord that we're going to read about this morning, it's a promise. It's a promise that you can count on. It's, it's our hope, isn't it? It's our confident assurance of something that God has said it's going to come to pass. But it's also our encouragement. We need to be encouraged by these truths. It brings comfort to those in trial and tribulation. It brings comfort to those who are being persecuted for their faith. Jesus is coming back. He's gone away to prepare a place for us. It's the hope of every believer. We started the book of Revelation 
for the, those of you that have been here from the beginning of it. In chapter 1, verse 3, it says, For the time is near. I love that every time I read it. For the time is near. In the seven letters to the seven churches, in chapter 3, verse 11, we read to uh, one of the churches, Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. And then in our chapter this morning, in chapter 22, we see in verse 7, Jesus saying, Behold, I am coming quickly. And then in verse 10, it says again, For the time is at hand. And then we see in verse 12, Behold, I am coming quickly. And then we see in verse 20, surely I am coming quickly. And then we hear the response, amen, even so, come Lord Jesus. Do you think the Lord wants us to be living in a state of anticipation as a church? I believe he does. He wants us to be living as if the Lord's return is near. Do you think that the early church was living as if the Lord's return was near? I believe they were. And it's never stopped. It's our encouragement. It's our hope as believers. Paul, he knew that the church at Thessalonica needed encouragement. And he used the Lord's return to encourage them. In 1 Thessalonians 4.13, Paul wrote this to them. But I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren. He's speaking to Christians concerning those who have fallen asleep. Lest you sorrow as others, listen to this, who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him... Notice that God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. If you die and you know Jesus Christ, you just go to sleep. You're going to go to be with him. To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. But Paul goes on to say, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means perceive those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, are you alive here? We who are alive and remain shall be caught up together. The rapture of the church with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. And then listen to how Paul closes this. He says, Therefore, Christians, comfort one another with these words. Have you ever comforted somebody with these kind of words? Somebody that's in the middle of it. And sometimes just these words of, this is temporary. It's Someday all these things are going to be turned right again. Someday that there's not going to be this pain and this sorrow anymore. It's all going to come to it. We need those kinds of encouragement, don't we? Today, we're going to finish the last book of the Bible. We're going to close this book of Revelation possibly for the last time. Think of that. If the Lord were to come back tomorrow, you finish the book of Revelation, or today, for the last time. Are you ready? Are you ready to meet the Lord? That's the question that all of us have to ask ourselves. Am I ready to meet the Lord? Look at your Bibles, chapter 22, verse 6. Then he, that's the angel, he said to me, John, these words 
are faithful and true. Or we might say the words of this book are faithful and true. Isn't it such a awesome feeling when you open up the word of God that you know that everything that you're reading is true. It's truth. You can you can base your you can put your whole life upon it. Every word that we read in Revelation has either happened already or it will come to pass. And every detail that we have read throughout this book, 22 chapters, is going to come to pass. Every detail that we have read will come to pass exactly as it said it would. Every prophecy, every promise that's ever been given by God will come to pass. And not just the book of Revelation, by the way. Hopefully you believe all of the word of God is God's truth. That God is the faithful and true one to his promises. From the very first words of the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. To the last words of the Bible, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. They're all faithful and true and everything in between. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5.18, He says, Most assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. A jot is that smallest Hebrew letter and a tittle is the smallest punctuation mark. Not one word will go unfulfilled. None of it. Don't ever listen to a lie. Well, we can believe most of the Bible. Majority of it's true. But there's a little bit, you know, we can quit. No, it's all true. Every bit of it. It's important for us to know that, church. To hold on to that. To stand upon that. And why does the angel say that the words of this book are faithful and true? It's because the one who has spoken these words, Jesus Christ, is called faithful and true. Revelation 19.11, at the second coming of Jesus Christ to the earth, John saw heaven opened and we're told, behold, a white horse and Jesus who sat on this white horse was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, Jesus judges and he makes war. He's called. By a name given to him, faithful and true. It's interesting, we also, well, we read in, in, uh, in verse 6 that the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angels to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. And then you look at back to the first chapter of Revelation. And you read in verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to Jesus to show his servants things again, which must shortly take place. What's interesting about this is that in verse 1, it was Jesus in, ver in our chapter this morning in verse 6, it's the Lord God. And so is Jesus God? Well, here it just tells me that he is. Jesus is God in flesh. Look at verse 7 in your Bibles. If you have a red letter edition, 
It's red letters. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Blessed, happy, fulfilled is the person who keeps the prophecy of this book. Jesus first says, Behold, I am coming quickly. And I believe that the Bible teaches, and it's a word sometimes people have even questioned, the eminency of Christ's return. There are some that believe that we can be certain that Jesus couldn't come back yet. And then there are others that believe and they, they live as if the Lord could come back at any moment. That's where I stand. That's where I'm at. It's this word eminency is to say that the time is near for Christ's return. The time of fulfillment is eminent. It will come to pass. It's eminent. It's near. And we need to live in that state as Christians of eminence. As if he could come back at any moment. It will have an effect upon your Christian walk. How you live. The sins that you struggle with. It will help you in saying no to those things. You want to live a life that is pleasing to God. Because if the Lord were to come back today. I don't want to be in a state of compromise. Jesus says, behold, I'm coming quickly. I don't believe that there's any prophecy in the Bible that still needs to be fulfilled for Jesus to return. I think that every prophecy that we see in Scripture that has not yet been fulfilled is something that is still yet fulfilled. We're not waiting for a prophecy for the rapture to take place. He could come back at any moment. There's some people that believe according to the Gospels where it says that the Lord will come back when every tribe, tongue, nation, and people hear the Gospel. There's people that say that there are nations in the world that don't have a Bible in their language yet. There are tribes in remote places that haven't heard the gospel yet. And I could say with assurance that Jesus Christ could not come back today. Because we still have those Bibles that need to be translated. And we still have these people groups that need to hear the gospel. And I don't believe that that's accurate. We need to keep in mind that... We see throughout the book of Revelation a number of ways in which God is going to accomplish taking the gospel message to the ends of the earth. Remember the 144,000 in Revelation chapter 7. There's 144,000 Jews that are going to be witnesses of Jesus Christ during the tribulation period. Remember the two witnesses of Revelation chapter 11 that God is going to protect them and they're going to be used of him there in Jerusalem and then John saw an angel in Revelation chapter 14 verse 6 and this is how it reads then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth and listen to what it says to every nation tribe tongue and people this world that's going to hear the gospel before Jesus Christ comes back. He never said in scripture that the church would accomplish that. He said that we're commanded to go out and be a part of that, but he will accomplish it in his ways. It's true that no one does know the day or the hour of Christ's coming. But his coming is spoken of in so many places and so many times as coming soon, as coming quickly, not being caught unaware, being watchful and ready. The time is near. 
You see, that's the stance for us as Christians. I believe the Bible, it teaches, as I've already said, that his return is imminent. Which simply means it's something that's about to happen soon. In God's perspective of things, uh, we've got 2,000 years of church history. But in God's perspective of things, I'm coming quickly. I'm near. I'm even at the door. Look at verse 8 in your Bibles. Now I, John, saw and heard these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. And then he, this angel, said to me, See that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant and of your brethren the prophets and of those who keep the words of this book. And then he says, Worship God. Don't worship me. Worship God. But let me ask you, and this isn't the only time that John was instructed, don't worship an angel, worship God. But let me ask you, would you have? Put yourself in the place where John's at. I think he'd be awestruck. I think he'd be like, whoa, I'm in holy ground. I I need to worship what's in front of me. Then the angel said to me in verse 10, Do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. Do not seal it up. And what's interesting to me about these words that we're reading here, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, is that if you go back to the book of Daniel in chapter 12, verse 4, Daniel, when he was receiving his vision, was instructed to shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. So why the change? Why was Daniel in 539 B.C. instructed to seal up the words of these prophecies? Things that are concerning end times. Things to come. Because it wasn't for his time. For him to have an understanding of these things. Seal them up. Until the time of the end. We come now to 95 AD. When John is receiving this revelation on Patmos. And now he's being instructed. Do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book. Why? Because it's a time now for the church. It's a time for this unveiling, this truth to be known. The prophecy unfolding. To be fully understood. You see, what is written in the book of Revelation, I know that some of you have said this to me. I've read the book of Revelation, and so so much of it is confusing to me. It's hard to understand. And that's why we go through the teaching like we do, so that we can break it down and get into it. But let me say this. None of God's word is ever to be concealed from you, hidden from you, just because this just doesn't make sense. I'll tell you one way that things won't make sense to an individual. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you do not have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you, if you're not born again, and you're not a child of God, then many of the things that you would read in the Bible would be confusing. Many of the things that you might read in the book of Revelation might be scary. They might be too far to reach out to understand. But if you know the Lord, He's the revealer of truth. His Holy Spirit is the illuminator of truth to your heart. You need to know Jesus Christ. As your Lord and Savior, if you want to make sense of any of the Bible, let alone the book of Revelation.
because it's meant to be understood. Revelation should never be a book that people are afraid of. I shared that with you all in the beginning of the book of Revelation when we started it. Some of you, maybe you're afraid of the things that we read in this book. You're intimidated by it. And some of the intimidation and, and fear that comes from that comes sometimes from a lack of understanding. You have a heavenly father that loves you. He just desires that men would come. People would come to repentance, come to know him. And that fear would be removed. We don't walk in fear of that as a child of God. Remember how we started the book of Revelation in chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keeps those things that are written in it for the time is near. A special blessing for all of us. We've been through 22 chapters of Revelation. A special blessing upon you. If you hear it, if you read it, you keep it. Look at verse 11. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. Now these words, let him be unjust still, it indicates the permanent, we might call the permanent character or the condition or the destiny of the filthy and the unrighteous. You see, people that are in the world without Christ that refer, re, refuse to turn in repentance to God and they choose to remain in their sin, they remain in that. And there will come a point in which people will no longer even have a desire to repent. Their heart will not repent. They'll remain in their sin. He who is unjust, he who is filthy. In other words, there comes a point where there's no possibility for change. That's a scary thought. Especially when we consider those whom we love. That we need to seek to be a witness. To tell them the good news of Christ. That he can forgive any sin and all sin. We read in Revelation 9.21 after the sixth trumpet judgment. That there will be those who will survive the judgments, these trumpet judgments. But we're told after this judgment, they did not repent of their works of their hands. They did not. And then in Revelation 16, 21, after the bold judgments are poured out, we're told that men blaspheme God because of the plagues of the hell. They weren't crying out and repenting. They're blaspheming God. Because of the pain and the suffering of the hell. He who is righteous, he who is holy, will continue in righteousness and holiness. And so really in this verse, we really have two destinies. The destiny of the unrighteous and the destiny of the righteous. Look at verse 12, it's red letters again. And behold, I'm coming quickly. You think he's trying to drive a point home? <laughs> behold, I'm coming quickly. It's eminent. And my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. 
Someday the rewards are going to be given out. There's going to be great reward for those who have come to Christ and those who have worked in this life for the things of God. Great reward. My reward is with me to give to everyone according to their work. Does God care about works? Yes, he does. Does he care about works? Are we saved by works? No, we're not. But does God care about works? Yes, he does. Paul wrote in Romans 13, 11, he says, and do this, speaking to Christians, and do this, knowing the time. Do you know the time we're in? Knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. It's high time. It's the appointed time. I'm coming quickly. We could put it this way. Jesus is on his way. If you just thought in those terms, Jesus is on his way. He's coming back. The time is near. His reward is with him, and he's going to reward all the believers that have put their trust in him, and he's going to reward also those who have rejected him. In that great day of judgment, everyone, it says, according to their work. Look at verse 13. Jesus again. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Notice all the capital letters there. Jesus says, I am the Alpha. I'm the first. I am the Omega, the last, which is the first letter and the last letter of the Greek alphabet. It's a way of Jesus saying, I'm the first and the last. And then all these capitalized names that are attributed to him. They're descriptive names, we might call them, that are only given to God himself. You can't say that about yourself, but you can about him. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. Verse 14, people quite often ask, did Jesus directly say that he is God? Did he come right out and just say, I'm God? Yes, he did. He has said in numerous ways, and numerous times throughout Scripture who he is. He's God in flesh. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, Jesus said, uh, John wrote, Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha, here it is again, and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Red letters. Revelation chapter 1, verse 10 and 11, John says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. That was at the beginning of the revelation and we see it here in the end. In Revelation chapter 1 verse 17, John sees this vision of the glorified Christ 
And it says, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. Is Jesus God? Yes, he is. Verse 14 says, Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. Blessed and happy are you if you keep his commandments. Those who keep his commandments, those who keep the word of God, Do you have that strong desire in your heart? Even though you fail, and even though I fail at times, do you have this strong desire in your heart to want to be obedient to the Word of God? That's a good indicator that you know Him. If you could care less what the Bible says and what the commands of God are, what the Word of God says, you rightfully should question where you're at. Blessed are those who do his commandments. That they may have the right to the tree of life. We read about that last week. It's in that new Jerusalem, that holy city. And that you also may be able to enter through the gates into the city. We read a a verse that gives us a lot of assurance in 1 John. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, John wrote this. He says, now by this we know that we know him. You want to have, know how you know if you're a Christian? One way that you can know, not the only way, but here's one good way. If we keep his commandments. You might say, well, are you talking about the Ten Commandments? Well, have any of us kept the Ten Commandments? Have, us, have any of us kept all of them, any of God's commands? Look what he goes on to say. He who says that I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But what are the commandments? Verse 5. But whoever keeps his word. Do you see that? But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. And then he says this, by this we know that we are in him. If you keep the word of God, if you have a desire to follow his ways, it's a good indicator to you that you truly are a child of God. I can remember the days when I could care less what God's word said. I could care less what somebody told me of what I should do and not do. And now I care. And now I'm convicted when I do wrong. And now, you know, that's how it works. And we have great assurance. And we have that desire in our heart to be obedient. In verse 14, we read that they may have the right to the tree of life. And they may enter through the gates into the city. It made me think of the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden after the fall was closed, wasn't it? And after the fall, there was no access back to the tree of life that was forbidden by God. And now every born-again believer, we're told here, has access to the holy city. If you're born again, you have you have the pass. You have the ability, you have the access into the holy city where the gates are never closed. The tree of life that's going to be in that holy city is going to be for all those who know him and he gives them the right to be a partaker of it. You see, God brings it full circle from the garden to the holy city, Jerusalem, our new home. Remember what Jesus told Nicodemus, that religious leader? 
He said in John chapter 3, verse 3, he said, Most assuredly, I say to you, Nicodemus, unless you were born again, you will never see, nor will you ever enter into the kingdom of God. You see, you have to be born again to have the right to enter into that city in that day. Those who have the right to enter the city are going to be those who have received Jesus Christ. John 1.12 tells us this. To as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. To as many as received him. What if you've never received him as your Lord and Savior? Then you do not have the right to the tree of life that will be there in that holy city nor to go through its gates. Jesus told Nicodemus, Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you will never see nor will you ever enter the kingdom of God. It's a big question, isn't it? We all have to ask ourselves that question even this morning. Am I born again by the Holy Spirit of God? Do I have His Holy Spirit living and dwelling inside of me? And if you say that he is, then how did he get there? He comes through and into your heart when you receive him. John 1.12, to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe on his name. But look what he says in verse 15. But outside, outside of the city, are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie on the outside. And dogs in Scripture, they speak here, and I believe it's speaking here of the, the morally impure. Those, we might say, who have chosen sin over Christ. And there are many in the world that do that. I love my sin more than I love this good news of Jesus Christ. And this is not even really a way to be saying that there's going to be a, a bunch of wicked people just kind of lurking around on the outside side of the city. I think it's a contrast of what we're seeing here between the blessed righteous and the end of the wicked. That's what it's saying. Verse 16. Red letters. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright morning star. Remember, John was instructed to write to the seven churches in chapter 2 of Revelation. Jesus says, I am the root, but I'm also the offspring of King David. Jesus says, I'm also the bright and morning star. As the morning star arises in the morning and dispels all traces of darkness, Jesus says, my coming will dispel all the darkness that has gone before it. The night is almost over. The sun is about to shine in its brilliance, dispelling all traces of darkness. 2 Peter 1.19 says, and so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place. Did you get that? And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. 
And then we come to this final invitation. And a final warning also in verse 17 to 19. It says, and the spirit and the bride say come. You see that exclamation mark? Come. Would you come? And let him who hears say come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. It's free. It's a gift. We just need to come. But he also gives a warning. Verse 18, for I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. This is a big warning, by the way. Brace yourself. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which were written in this book. That's a strong warning. That should cause any one of us to sit up and make note. You got my attention. I don't want to take away and I don't want to add to the word of God. The word of God is true. What it says is what it is. I don't make it be what I want it to be. It's what it says. Prophecy is not any of man's private interpretation. I don't just make it be what I want it to be. What does the word of God say? Don't mess with the word of God. Simply put. Don't take from its message and don't add to it. That would be a warning to anyone and everyone. And many have done that. Woe in that day. Verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Isn't that wonderful how the book of Revelation, how the Bible ends, with all the times that grace is spoken of throughout all the pages of the Bible. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Final words. I want to close with giving you seven special blessings. I'm just going to read you the verses. Seven special blessings that are found in the book of Revelation. You like to be blessed? Most of you are shaking your head. Hopefully all I did. Yeah. (laughs) Chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of his prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. Chapter 14, verse 13. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on, yes, says the Spirit, that they may have rest from their labors and their works. Follow them. Chapter 16, verse 15. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Chapter 19, verse 9. Then he said to me, Right, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Chapter 20, verse 6. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. 
Over such the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Chapter 22, verse 7. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Chapter 22, verse 14. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. Amen, church? I'll see you in heaven. Looking forward to that day where we're all going to be united together in one place for eternity. Let that be your encouragement. As you suffer in this world, as you suffer in the flesh, whatever it is, as you struggle with sin, let it be your encouragement that this is temporary housing. Then the Lord returns. Lord, help us to rise up in faith, believing what we've read here through these 22 chapters of Revelation. Let us rise up in strong faith in what we've just read. I'm going to close in prayer, but if there's anyone here that doesn't know Jesus Christ, you're not born again then I strongly encourage you to come up to the front here. Todd and Jeannie will be up here. They'll pray with you a simple prayer to receive Christ into your heart. If you feel the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart, saying to you, you're not a child of God, you don't know for sure if you're saved, then I strongly encourage you to come up here and pray with them to receive Christ, that you'll know when you leave this place where you're going to go. If the Lord were to return today, there are no second chances. You will not plead with God in that moment. It's now, it's here, it's in this time that we receive Christ or we reject Him. I encourage you to come up if you just need prayer. If you're struggling, you need prayer, come up. Pray with Todd and Jeannie. They're here. But I also want to lift up in this closing prayer uh, the Gord family, Richard and Melissa, their kids are going to be making a, a, a move here to Florida to take care of Richard's mom who has uh, got some heart issues and, and uh, in need of care, need of help. It's hard for them. I know that. Uh, we'll miss them. But they're feeling that that's what the Lord is leading them to do. And so... I would like to pray for them as a family as they go. This will be their last Sunday. They're here today. Uh, you can see them and say, and I'm sure we'll still hear from them, but they're not going to be here. They're going to be there in Florida. North Carolina is a lot better, and they know that. But, but anyway, yeah, I'm going to Florida. Let's, uh, let's pray. Father, we do come before you, Lord, and uh, we just thank you for these 22 chapters of Revelation. I know you've ministered afresh to my heart as I've studied. I pray, Lord, that Lord, that the words of this book have ministered to your church, to your people, that it will have an effect upon our life, an effect that will cause us to live holy for you, to live in readiness for your return, to cause us to be a witness in this world, Lord, that is in desperate need of hope. God, would you give us opportunities? Would you fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit even now? Lord, as we ask of you to fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit, fill us with your power. Give us boldness. Give us a mouth to speak forth your truth. And Lord, even let this words of your return, let it be part of that good news. Lord, you're coming back. Lord, we're excited for that day. Even so, Lord, come quickly. But Lord, we also want to lift up our, this family, Lord, the Gores, as they're going to be traveling back soon here and taking care of mom there. Lord, just go before them, protect, provide. 
Give them much wisdom and endurance, Lord, as they take care of the needs that are there. Bless them, Lord, today. Have your hand upon them. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.